So today we are going to see tropical sprue. Tropical sprue is defined as chronic progressive malabsorption in a patient, most probably from the tropics, associated with abnormalities of small intestinal structure and function. It mainly occurs in West Indies, Southern India, Malaysia, Indonesia. What is the pathophysiology of tropical sprue? Small bowel bacterial overgrowth with E. coli, Enterobacter, Klebsiella is frequently seen. It resembles celiac disease. The clinical features are diarrhea, abdominal distension, anorexia, fatigue, weight loss. Uh, most probably a visitor from the tropic with diarrhea which is sudden and accompanied by fever. When it becomes chronic, we can see megaloblastic anemia which is vitamin B12 and folic acid malabsorption including ankle edema, glossitis, stomatitis are common. Delmations and relapses may occur. Differential diagnosis is Infective cause of diarrhea in the tropics. Differential diagnosis in visitors to the tropics is giardiasis. Management, we can give tetracycline 250 mg 4 times daily for 28 days is the treatment of choice. And we can give pharmacological doses of folic acid 5 mg daily to improve symptoms and jejunal morphology. In some cases, treatment has to be prolonged and occasionally patient must leave the tropics. Achalasia of the esophagus. Achalasia is characterized by hypertonic lower esophageal sphincter which fails to relax and failure of propagated esophageal contraction leading to progressive dilation of the gullet. The cause is unknown. There is defective release of nitric oxide by inhibitory neurons in the lower esophageal sphincter. So there is degeneration of and there is degeneration of the ganglion cells within the sphincter and the body of the esophagus. Loss of dorsal vagal nuclei within the brainstem can be demonstrated in later stages. Infection with the trypanosoma cruzi in Chagas disease also causes that is indistinguishable from achalasia. Clinical features, the main presentation is dysphagia. It develops slowly, initially intermittent, which is worse for solids and diseased by drinking liquids and by standing and moving around after eating. Heartbound does not occur because the closed esophageal sphincter prevents gastroesophageal reflex. Some patients experience episodes of chest pain due to esophageal spasm. As we see the disease progresses, dysphagia also worsens. The esophagus empties poorly and there is nocturnal pulmonary aspiration. Achalasia predisposes to squamous well carcinoma of esophagus. Investigations, endoscopy can be done to rule out carcinoma of the cardiac which mimics the presentation of achalasia and radiological and manometric features of achalasia, pseudoachalasia. A barium swallow shows tapered narrowing of the lower esophages in the later disease. The esophageal body is dilated, aperistaltic and foot filled. Manometry confirms the high pressure, non-relaxing lower esophageal sphincter with poor contrality of the esophageal body. Management endoscopic forceful pneumatic dilatation using 30 to 35 cm uh, diameter fluoroscopically positioned balloon disrupts the esophageal sphincter and improves symptoms in 80% of the patients. Some patients require more than one dilatation and those patients can be treated surgically. Endoscopically directed injection of botulinum toxin into the lower esophageal sphincter induces clinical remission but relapse is common. Peroral endoscopic myotomy, POEM can be done. Surgical headless myotomy can be done. Laparoscopically or open procedure is effective and invasive than endoscopic dilatation. 
both pneumatic dilatation and myotomy can be complicated by gastroesophageal reflex and this can lead to severe esophagitis because esophageal clearance is poor. For this reason, Heller's myotomy is accompanied by a partial fundoplication anti-reflex procedure. PPI therapy is often necessary after surgery. Celiac disease Celiac disease is an inflammatory disorder of the small bowel occurring in genetically susceptible individual. It results from intolerance to wheat, gluten and similar proteins found in rye, barley and to a lesser extent oats. It can result in malabsorption and it responds to a gluten-free diet. Pathophysiology The precise mechanism of mucosal damage is unclear but immunological responses to gluten play a key role. There is strong genetic component with around 10% of the first degree relatives in an index case affected. There is strong concordance in monozygotic twins. Strong association with HLA, DQ2, DQ8. Dysbiosis of the Intestinal microbiota has been identified, but it is unclear if this is a pathological or a response to underlying mucosal changes. Clinical features Celiac disease can present at any age. In infancy, it occurs after weaning onto cereals and typically presents with diarrhea, malabsorption, and failure to thrive. In older children, it may present with non specific symptoms such as delayed growth. Features of malnutrition are found on examination and mild abdominal distension may be present. Affected children's growth is affected. Pubertal delay is there, leading to short stature in adulthood. In adults, the disease usually presents during the third or fourth decade and uh, females are affected twice as often as males. The presentation may be variable depending on the severity and the extent of um, involvement. Malabsorption is seen. Non-specific symptoms such as tiredness, weight loss, folate deficiency, iron deficiency, anemia is seen. Other presentations include oral ulceration, dyspepsia and bloating. Unrecognized celiac diseases is associated with mild undernutrition and osteoporosis. Celiac disease is associated with HLA-linked autoimmune disorders and other certain diseases. In some people, people are at centers where people are at higher risk of developing celiac diseases such as those with type with, uh, di uh, 1 diabetes may undergo periodic antibody screening. It may help to identify people with asymptomatic or minimally symptomatic disease. Investigations, duodenal biopsy, antibody testing, hematology and biochemistry can be done. In duodenal biopsy, endoscopic small bubble biopsy is the gold standard as the mucosa looks normal. As the histological changes are patchy, an adequate number of biopsies should be taken. More than 4 biopsies from the second part of the duodenum plus 1 biopsy from the duodenal bulb should be retrieved. Histological features are usually characteristic but other causes of villus atrophy should be considered. Sometimes the villi may appear normal but there are excess numbers of intraepithelial lymphocytes. Lymphocytic duodenosis is seen. Antibody tests are valuable. Tissue transglutaminase is now recognized as the auto-antigen for anti-endomycial antibodies. If the antibody screening comes out to be positive, adult patients should remain on a gluten-free diet until duodenal biopsies are taken. High titer serology in children can be diagnostic without the need for endoscopy and biopsy. Antibody titers usually become negative with successful treatment. Anti-endomycial antibodies of the IgA class are detectable by immunofluorescent in untreated cases. They are sensitive and specific for the diagnosis in young infants. IgG antibodies should be analyzed in patients with coexisting IgA deficiency. Trans Tissue transglutaminase assay has become the serological test of choice in many countries. 
and is more accurate in patients with IgA deficiency. Hematology and biochemistry, a full blood count should be taken and it may show microcytic or macrocytic anemia from iron or folate deficiency and presence of features of hypospinism, target cells, spherocytes, whole jolly bodies are seen. Biochemical test may reveal reduced concentration of calcium, magnesium, total protein, albumin or vitamin D. Serum IgA measurement is required to ensure an appropriate IgA response and to allow analysis of serological testing. Other investigations include measurement of bone density to look for evidence of osteoporosis, especially in over older patients and postmenopausal women. Management it aims to correct the existing deficiencies of micronutrients and to achieve mucosal healing through a long gluten-free diet. This requires the exclusion of wheat, dry barley, oats, but oats can be reintroduced safely after 6 to 12 months. Frequent dietary counseling should be given. Mineral and vitamin supplements can also be given, but are seldom necessary when a strict gluten-free diet is added. Booklets produced by celiac societies in many countries containing diet sheets recipes for a gluten-free diet can be of great value. Dietic follow-up seen. Patients should be followed after initiation of a gluten-free diet for symptoms, weight and nutritional status and there should be uh, measurement of uh, tissue transglutaminase or anti-endomycial antibodies. There are currently no additional non-invasive tests to require repeat small bowel biopsies should or not required routinely but should be considered in patients whose symptoms fail to improve and in whom antibody levels remain high. The diet is unsatisfactory then other conditions such as pancreatic insufficiency or microscopic colitis should be sought as should complications of celiac disease such as ulcerative jejunitis or entropathy associated T-cell lymphoma. Small number of patients who fail to respond to adequate gluten-free diet may require therapy with corticosteroids or immunosuppressive drugs. Complications, there is twofold increase in malignancy, particularly of entropathy-associated T-cell lymphoma, small bubble carcinoma, squamous cell carcinoma of the esophagus has been reported. Few patients develop ulcerative jejunoelectis, present with uh, fever, pain, obstruction, and perforation. Diagnosis can be done by barium studies or endoscopy, but laparotomy and full thickness biopsy may be required. Treatment is difficult. Glucose corticoids are used and some patients may require surgical resection and parenteral nutrition. Osteoporosis and osteomalacia may occur in patients with long-standing, poorly controlled celiac disease. These complications are less common in those who are there to strict gluten-free diet.